in your life a really, really bad boss? Like, really bad boss. Okay. Raise your hand, because I want to see. Okay. Really bad boss. A bad boss, a bad leader, person in authority who abuses that authority, can wreak a lot of havoc. So you've experienced that, right? Those under bad leadership. A bad leadership can do a lot of damage, can leave a wake behind a bad leader of hurting, hurting people. Good authority and bad authority, good leaders and bad leaders. Today we're going to look at Laban, he was a man in authority, and we're going to look at Jacob, who was a man under authority. We're going to see God's blessing of Jacob, and the reality of it is that the blessing of Jacob actually flowed to Laban. Laban, the really insecure, the really bad leader, received the benefit of the prosperity of Jacob. We're going to look at Laban, and he's going to represent for us a lot of different kinds of leaders. And I'm going to speak kind of frankly about leadership, bad leadership. There's warnings there for me. Uh, the leadership that I have seen and witnessed over the years, in large part due to my calling and what I do in ministry, has been to be around a lot of pastors. I've been around a lot of pastors in my life. I'm 33, but for my age, God has let me rub shoulders with a high volume of pastors from really all over the place. And I will tell you this, unfortunately, pastoral ministry can come with its own challenges, but unfortunately, there are a lot of insecure people in pastoral ministry. Um, the pull uh, of ministry is, is very, very weird. It's very weird because the culture of ministry in law at large encourages leaders, pastors in particular, to lead in a very ungodly and a very unbiblical way. Conferences are built to teach pastors how to pastor, but in a very worldly way, in a way that's very unbiblical, in fact. Laban represents so many pastors in this world. There are so many Labans as pastors. And unfortunately, Bible verses can get thrown uh, to defend, thrown out to defend a type of pastoral ministry that it goes just along with the life and the character of Laban. Godly leaders see those in their care as people to be served. Let me repeat that. Godly leaders see those who are entrusted to them as people to be, in, to be served. Godly leaders work to the flourishing of other people. That's what godly leaders do. Ungodly leaders, on the other hand, see the people in their care as people to be used for their flourishing, for their purposes. Godly leaders see themselves as servants of the people in their care. Ungodly leaders see the people as servants of theirs. The goal of ungodly leadership is to use people in a way that will make the leader look good. Bad leaders give compliments and just enough care, play their part, do their part to get constituents, win just enough followers to keep me in control. So much of what passes, passes as cutting-edge ministry is little more than ego-driven people with a few Bible verses convincing others, other egomaniacs, to creatively manipulate people to do what they want you to do. Conferences have workshops, for instance, 
How to get people to buy into your vision. And I will tell you this, you do not need vision from me. We have a leader who's given us vision and his name is Jesus. And he is our chief shepherd. And I am, by the grace of God, called into a very noble calling, an under-shepherd. And I am not your visionary, nor is our elder team, pastor team. Jesus is. Many sheep have been injured by poor leadership and the nonsense that disguises itself as shepherding. Abuse of authority, it's been around for a long time. It's not, it's not anything new. Jacob lived, Jacob, we're going to see today, lived under ungodly authority for nearly 20 years. It's crushing, crushing in some ways. I think Jacob could have been asking the question, God, what are you up to? Why are things the way they are? Would Jacob be okay? Is he going to make it? Is Jacob going to survive? He's a patriarch. He's the one whom the purposes of God will flow. Is he going to be okay? How can we, if, or you, if you are in a position of authority, avoid being like Laban? We don't want to be like Laban. But it's easy to drift there. It's easy to convince ourselves that being Laban, where you're reaping the benefits of everybody else's work, is somehow a good thing. So, let's look at it. Chapter 30, verse 25 to 30. Chapter 30, verse 25 to 30. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own home and own country. Give me my wives and my children, for I for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know that I have served you and how your livestock have fared with me. For you have had little before I came, and it's increased, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. Laban had increased, but it came at Jacob's expense. Verse 25, we see that Jacob is under the authority of Laban. It's clear, we understand that. He has to ask permission to go and build his own household. Jacob has lived with the benefit of Laban now for nearly 20 years. He worked 14 years for the two daughters of Laban, Rachel and Leah. And he worked hard. He was a shepherd for Laban. And Jacob increased mightily. Anything that was under Jacob's care prospered. God brought blessing and prosper to Jacob. But it wasn't for Jacob's immediate benefit. He did not have a household of his own yet. It was all to the benefit of Laban. Laban says as much in verse 27. He acknowledges that somehow or another through the false gods of divination, we're going to see that he had gods that he worshipped, that somehow or another these demon gods that somehow or another gave him some direction and insight. But in verse 27, Laban acknowledges that God's blessing has come to him as a result of Jacob. He says it clearly. The Lord has blessed me because of you. So he understands rightly that Jacob has worked hard and the blessing, the reward, 
did not come to Jacob, but it came to Laban. So he recognizes this. And I think surely we can say from the beginning that we can see some gospel, some good news implications here. It's pretty clear. God has blessed us because of the work of another. Another. We see Laban, the one who is unworthy of this blessing, the deceiver. In fact, Jacob was a deceiver. His name means as much. And so he deceives and kind of gets a taste of his own medicine through this whole process. The deceiver gets deceived, we've seen. But we see for us, who could be kind of the pseudo-Labans here, that we have been blessed by our Jacob, by a greater Jacob, who worked hard day in and day out for our blessing and for our reward. We get eternal blessing, eternal inheritance because of the work of another. Jesus. Jesus worked hard for the bride of His delight. He obeyed and worked. And blessing, my friends, we just sang about it. Blessing, George and Casey, is coming upon you eternally. In fact, all of the blessings of all of the heavenly places have been poured upon you because of the work of Jesus and Jesus alone. Every blessing God has not withheld. He's not holding back. Everything that He can give you, He's given you in Christ. He has blessed you. You're blessed. God is not withholding. He blesses His kids because of the work of another. But Jacob wonders, when am I going to be released? When am I going to be able to provide for my own household? Laban, you've got your reward from all this. Your kingdom, quote unquote, has built bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because of my work. My hands are calloused. Your hands are soft and smooth, Laban. I've done the work. You've reaped the reward. When am I going to be able to step out and build for myself? When am I going to get my own household? When are you going to bless, because he's under the authority of Laban, when are you going to bless, and when are you going to send me out to be able to build this household of mine? Well, they have the conversation. In verse 31 to 36, Laban says, What am I going to give you? What do you want? He asked Laban again, what do you want? And for the sake of time, there's so many passages here. There's so many verses that we have to cover. I'm going to do what I did a couple weeks ago. I'm going to ask you to read this when you get home. Read the whole thing. I'm not going to be able to read this word for word. So I'm going to go through this, hit verses here and there, and we'll get the gist of the passage by doing that. In 31, Laban asks Jacob, what shall I give you? Jacob then responds in the dialogue back and forth. Okay, here, don't just, just let me have... I'm not even asking for anything really specifically, but I am, basically, he says. If you will just give me the speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, as well as the spotted and speckled of the goats, then I'm good. Just give me some time to build my own herd... Give me some of the ones that are from yours that are speckled and spotted, the ones that are not pure, the ones that are not the ones that, that you look at with high regard. I'll take those. And if you'll give me that, that is enough. And in time, I'll have what I need to be sent out. Well, in verse 34, Laban does what he does so well. He gives lip service to an idea and says, sounds, sounds like a plan. Sounds good to me. Verse 34, he says this, Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But as so many bad leaders do, bad leaders are often good at talking, but they're bad in their action. This is what Laban represents, bad leadership, bad authority. 
Laban says, yup, it sounds like a good idea. But then look at the very next action that he does. He tricks Jacob again, verse 36. It says, or verse 35, it says, But that day Laban removed the male goats that were stripped or striped and spotted, and the female goats that were speckled and spotted, and every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and he put them in charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob pastured in the rest, pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So Laban pays lip service. Yep, that's a good idea. I'll do that. And the very next action, Jacob walks out. Hey, sons, come on. Pick up all the spotted, all the striped, all those, and take them as far as you can. Get three days away from here. Okay, you see this, right? He's going to make everything hard for Jacob. Even though Jacob has served for him faithfully over these years, Laban is going to make it as hard as he possibly can for Jacob. But, oh, he'll say the right thing. He'll tell him what he wants to hear. But his actions... Don't follow his words. In verse 37 to 43, we get an unusual picture of a story of kind of an old wives' tale. Jacob responds, and he responds. He doesn't get what he needs, and so he responds by employing a practice that he hoped will produce a stronger herd or flock, excuse me, not, not herd, flock of sheep and goats. And in time, God blesses Jacob's plan. So what he does is he takes a few sticks of poplar, almond, and plane trees, and he peels the sticks back. And the wives' tale was that if you will angle these sticks and point them at the sheep and the goat at the times that they're mating, out will come stronger sheep and goats than if the sticks are not aimed that way. So it's kind of like an old wives' tale. What we find is God actually blesses this old wives' tale, and it actually works. Somehow or another, even though all the striped and the spotted were removed, Jacob ends up getting spiked, or spotted the, the right kind, or the kind that Laban said he could have, but they ended up being way stronger than all the remaining sheep and goats. So what we had was God blessing, even though Laban tried to deceive, God blessed what the work of Jacob's hands, and he actually ended up having a stronger flock than Laban. And that's what it says. The feebler, in verse 42, would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly, Jacob, and had large flocks, female servants, male servants, and camels, and donkeys. So under the thumb of this unjust authority, under this wet blanket of a leader who would want to squash the fire of Jacob, what happens? Well, Jacob increased. He worked hard and God was faithful. Jacob was faithful to do all that he could regardless of what Laban was going to do and regardless of what Laban had done. Jacob was faithful and God blessed. That's interesting. Often, under the rule of unjust leadership, the only thing that we can think to do is criticize. It's just all we can think to do. Or be upset or be bitter, frustrated, grumble, be upset. <sighs> if I was in charge, but you're not. But if I was, okay, we need to positively learn from the negative. If you're right now in a situation where you're under the care of ungodly leaders, whatever it may be, or un, 
just not good authority, regardless if it's in a, you know, from, not just from churches, but this, if you're a, a teacher, if you're a construction worker, or whoever it may be, okay, what's your response? What's your response? Well, what are you going to do? Be faithful to the Lord. Trust Him. Work hard and in time trust that it's not always going to be this way. God's going to do something. There are times, clearly, when actions are so egregious that you have to address those. But here, we see that it's possible under the thumb of bad leadership to increase greatly. It happens. Jacob's faithful. God is faithful. Jacob works hard. God blesses this work. Now, like so many bad leaders... Because of the happenings, what they see happening, happening, the bad leader cannot stand the flourishing of somebody underneath him. Can't stand it. He doesn't want it. Laban is okay with Jacob's work as long as he is reaping the benefits of it. But as soon as Jacob starts reaping his own benefits, Laban gets insecure and frustrated, and his sons, who have learned so much from their dad, are the exact same way. Look at verse 1 down through verse 3 of, verse, of chapter 31. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Verse 3 marks a turning point. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Big leaders in powerful positions are often little men and women internally. So often, big leaders are little people. Laban, as mostly all ungodly leaders, he couldn't handle the success and the increase of Jacob. He didn't hold him in high favor anymore. Laban's sons, just like him. The sons apparently were on board with Laban's vision to build Laban's kingdom. He could get a following, Laban could, all right, just the wrong kind. Verse 3 God intervenes, enough is enough. It's time. It's time. It's time, Jacob. The Lord said, Return to the land of your fathers. I've seen. I understand. I know what's going on. I've been forging your character through this. It's time to go. God sees what nobody else sees. In verse 14 to 16, God's decision in verse 3 is predicated upon the knowledge that God has of the whole situation. In verse 7 to 8, we see that Laban has cheated Jacob time and time again. Verse 7 says this, Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he had said, The spotted shall be your wages, Jacob, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, The striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. And thus God has taken away all the livestock of your father and given them to me. Jacob would change wages and be unfaithful to, or Laban would to Jacob over and over and over again. So Laban would say things and change it constantly wasn't a man of his word. He couldn't remember. Sometimes good leaders, so-called, are very good at forgetting important things. 
forgetting the very things that will keep them in the place they need to be. God sees, He knows the truth. Verse 12, here's what He tells Jacob. Think about the comfort that would have come to Jacob as he heard these words from God. Verse 12, And He said, Lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and and that motled, whatever. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. You know what God sees? He really does. We don't have to let everybody know. We don't have to... People don't have to know how mistreated you are. We really don't. We don't have to work it into a conversation. God knows. He sees. A.W. Pink, commenting on Genesis. He's been so helpful through the book of Genesis. He says this, Jacob had to complain at Laban's cloudy countenance. And he could add, he could add through his complaint, the God of my father hath been with me. And here's what he says, God's smiles, God's smile, smiles are the best support under man's frowns. If we walk in the light of His countenance, we need not fear what man can do to us. God smiles. God's smiles are the best support under man's frowns. You know, that's true. If you're in a situation similar to this, and you know before the God of the universe that you're being faithful to Him and you're trying to repent and you're trying to grow and you're trying to honor and you're trying to love. You know what? If God is pleased with you based on the work of Christ in your life, what do we have to freak out about? He sees. He knows what's going on. He can deal with Laban in due time. And He does. God sees. Now don't confuse this truth, okay? If you're good at making other people frown, that's not necessarily an indication that God is smiling. Okay? So, we should not take, well, when everybody else is mad at me, I know that God, my grandfather uh, is not a good man. And a mark of his faithfulness over years is that everybody hated him. Because after all, God always, or Men always hate prophets. No, you're just a horrible man. And that's why people don't like you. So, just because you get man's frowns doesn't mean you have God's smile. But if you know you have God's smile, you're built for anything. You're going to make it. By the grace of God. Well, there ends up being a departure. Jacob leaves in stealth. He begins to talk to his wives. He gathers everything. He talks to Laban as if everything is A-OK. Doesn't give a hint to Laban that he's about to take off. And in verse 20, we find that Jacob tricked Laban, the Aramean, by not telling telling him that he intended to flee. So Laban goes to work. And Jacob says, it's time, let's go, let's go, let's go. Something tells me that Jacob probably would have been good at planning a surprise party for Rachel. 
He's good at trickery. And Laban leaves, and so they get, get out of Dodge. They run off, and they get ahead a three days' journey. Well, Laban ends up finding out. Okay, he finds out, doesn't like it. In verse 20, we find that Jacob tricked him. In verse 24, we find that God spoke to that pagan Laban. And God told Laban the Aramean in a dream, be careful and don't say anything good or bad to Laban. God tips Laban off that Jacob left. So they leave. Laban thinks, alert's high here. I've got to go get Jacob. He can't leave without me sending him off. As if he would have ever sent him off. And he runs and he chases down and overtakes Jacob. Verse 25. He overtakes Jacob. He finds him and gets to him. And then he begins to lash out. And he challenges Jacob and Rachel and Leah. And he actually lies to them first by saying in verse 27, again, because we know the speech of Laban is so polished, he can tell Jacob exactly what he wants to hear. And in verse 27, he he said, Why did you flee secretly and trick me? You didn't tell me. So that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs and tambourine and lyre. And Laban actually has the audacity to say, Oh, Jacob, I was getting to it. I was going to send you off with a party. Laban, who's so good, so eloquent. So he lies. And bad leaders are very good at this. They're always trying to save face. Always trying to defend themselves. Well, I would have done that if you didn't make that action. I would have helped you. I would have sent you, Laban said, if you just would have waited. If you just would have waited. It's far easier to sound innocent than it is to repent. It's far easier to sound innocent than it is to, look, to repent. And Laban is not changed. All the while, Jacob, Rachel, and Leah are not innocent in the matter. Rachel had stolen these household gods because uh, we find out in a couple other passages that, that Laban used these gods, the gods in his country, to find information about either future events or what they should do. They would pray to these gods, and Rachel did not want Laban to find that they'd left. Well, it ended up being God telling Jacob that they Laban that they had left. But so she takes these takes these gods, and Laban's furious about it. Jacob doesn't know, and he says, Hey, I've got to find out if you've got these gods, because I need them, I want to take them back. How dare you take them back? Well, he doesn't find them. Rachel keeps them hidden really well. He doesn't find the gods. And then Jacob has his moment. Jacob has his moment to do what so many of us want to do to bad leadership. We want this moment. I mean this epic moment where the table is set and we just get to lash out at them. Say everything that we've wanted to say. Get it all out on the table. Well, Jacob gets his moment. And we get to read it. And not saying that Jacob was right in his actions or words, but we can see the things that Jacob had to bear all these 20 years. We see the hard work. He lays it out on the table. Laban, do you know what I've done for you? How is it that you would treat me this way? So the unloading is as follows. The table's set. He's going to get it all on the table. Here's what he wants to say to Laban. Jacob became angry and berated Laban. 
And Jacob said to Laban, What is my offense? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? For you have felt through all my goods. What have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between the two of us. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried. I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I didn't bring to you. I bore the loss myself, Laban. From my hand you required it. I had to pay for the loss. Not only the loss, this is me here, not only the loss and the burden of losing those under my care, those of my flock, but I had to pay out of my own pocket, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Verse 40. There was I. By the dead, by the day, the heat consumed me, the cold by night. My sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years, Laban, I've been in your house. I've served you for 14 years for two daughters and six years for your flock. And you've changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely by now you would have sent me away empty-handed. Not with a party. You would have sent me away with nothing. But God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. We're told he berated Laban. Can you feel the passion and the pain in his voice? Jacob had to bear the loss himself. He didn't eat, he shielded Laban from the pain. He was taking care of Laban, even though Laban was not taking care of him. He bore all of this. All of the pain that he throws on the table. He bore it for the benefit of Laban and Laban didn't even recognize it. All he wanted was the reward that came from having Jacob in his household. And how ungrateful Laban is. He doesn't see the work that Jacob has done. He doesn't appreciate the work. Jacob was simply a way for Laban to be blessed and increase. He was a spoke in Laban's wheel. The feelings that come with that, if you're in the spoke of someone's wheel, can be painful. And when you hear Jacob throw it out on the table, you kind of sense, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. And some of you, and this is the, the pool. By the grace of God, I never want to be a Laban. Never want to be a Laban. And I hope you never want to be a Laban. If you have people under your care, serve them. Don't use them. And this is for me. Well, they part ways. Verse 43, Laban does give a response. It's weak, but he tries in some way to defend himself. Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughter are my daughters. The children are my children. The flocks are my flocks. And all that you see is mine. 
But what can I do this day for my daughters or for their children whom they have born? Laban responds, yeah, but it's mine. Verse 44 through 55, you can read it. Laban knows that Jacob is right. And so Jacob and Laban make an agreement and they part ways for good. And there is a point that I somewhat sympathize with Laban, and it's at the end in verse 55 when it says, Early morning Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. There is a human side of Laban. He's not all gargoyle. He wants to kiss his grandchildren. Now grandchildren, it's not just now that grand, grandparents in here. How crazy you be at you about your grandkids? You love your grandbabies. You imagine not seeing them again? Now from culture to culture, it doesn't matter that it's not 21st century America. It was hard for Laban to not see his grandkids. He had real reasons to want to egg to lead Jacob on. Part of it was, I want my grandkids. I want my grandkids. So there was a humanness to Laban. There is a key for us. In this huge narrative, long narrative, there is a key. Do you know, and it's going to help us, for those who are in authority, oh, actually, excuse me, let me reverse that. First, for those who are under authority, which all of us are, that every person in here is under authority. Myself, everyone. And if you're under unjust authority, specifically, we're going to get a key here, some help. Okay? To unlock the door to godliness under the thumb of unjust authority. And we're going to get a key for us, for those who are in authority, to not be like Laban. We're going to get a key, singular. Okay? So this is the crescendo. What is the key? Glad you asked. Do you know what the true Jacob has done for you? Do you know what Jacob has done for you? Not Jacob, this Jacob. The true Jacob. You recognize it? Do you see what Jesus has done for you? It has implications in the workplace. It has implications for relational like horizontal relationships for us in this room. There's a key here that helps us flourish. It helps us not use each other and consume each other, but this key helps us love each other. Instead of abuse and use and misuse, love, care. I want to see you flourish. I don't want to use you to make me flourish. Is there a key here for that? There is. Verse 27 of chapter 30. We see a clear, I mentioned it from the gate. Verse 27, the Lord has blessed me, Laban says, because of you. God has blessed me and it has nothing to do with me. The Jacob, Laban the pagan knew that God's blessing was coming to him and it wasn't because of him. He knew that it was because of the work of another. He explicitly says it. God is blessing me on behalf of you, Jacob. Verse 30, Jacob says this, And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. Jacob knew that. Jacob said, wherever I've turned, whatever I've done, Laban, you've reaped the rewards. You have been blessed. 
It's been you. The blessing has come upon, I earned it. You got it, Laban. In verse 36 to 42, when Jacob lays it out on the table, I want you to imagine if Jesus could have thrown it out on the table to us. If he could have told us, do you know what I've done for you? Do you know? Do you know the loss that I had to bear myself? Do you know that the tears that I cried so blessing can come to you? Do you know the day in and the day out obedience to my Heavenly Father that I did for you? Do you know my tender obedience to my Father? So when you're angry, blessing can come upon you. When you're not tender, when you're just angry, blessing's going to come to you. you know what I've done for you? Jesus, the construction worker. Do you realize that the work he did with his father, earthly father Joseph, he did that for you? He knows what the workplace, he knows what it means to work with his dad, his earthly dad. But he worked with his earthly dad and he didn't sin. I can do that for a millisecond. And then we just yell at each other. Anybody else? Why is working with your dad so hard? Jesus worked with His earthly Father even and obeyed His heavenly Father that reward and blessing could come upon me and so that it could come upon you. And this is the key because if you know what Jesus, our Jacob, has done for us, if you know that the blessings that you have received are not because you're something, it's not because you're special, it's not because you're an incredibly great and gifted visionary, or an incredibly humble servant. If you know what God has done for you because of the work of another, it changes everything. It knocks you off your pedestal. For those under unjust authority, hear this. If you know what Jesus has done for you, okay? If you know what Jesus has done for you, and if you know that you have the smile of God upon you, you're built to handle the frown of your boss. You're built for it. It's the key. If you know that you have the smile of God, if you know what your Jacob has done for you, you can handle that jerk boss. You really can. You're going to make it. Hang in there. Work hard. Be faithful. Whatever you eat, drink, or do, do all to the glory of God. God sees all that you are doing and all that's being done to you. And in time, God will give you your moment. Jacob, it's time to go. In time, God will change it. And eternally, even if it's not till eternity, in time, God will take care of you. He's taking care of you now. For those who are in authority, it's as simple as this. Don't be Laban. Don't be Laban. Laban pastors churches all over this country. And I feel a draw to be like Laban. Use you for my benefit. The enemy wants to attack pastors. Pastors have this desire because we work for God. To make a name for us, for God I mean. To make a name for us, I mean for God. Treasure Jesus. Get this. Treasure Jesus more 
than what Jesus can get me. Laban treasured Jacob, not for Jacob. He didn't care about Jacob. He wanted what Jacob could get him. He, he consumed Jacob. Treasure, leaders, treasure people more than what people can get you. Love people. Love. Don't use, Jared. Leaders are free to serve in the same way their master, Jesus, served. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your grace to us. Um, You're kind. You're just so good. We have been blessed because of the work of another, and I thank You for that. Help us to sing. Holy Spirit, apply these application points, these principles in any way You see fit. Trust that You will. Help us open our eyes to see the glory of our Jacob, King Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen.